Chelsea. And this is Andrew. Welcome to Hugging and Learning, a podcast where on every other episode so far, <laughs> we we have talked about very special episodes from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s, and what they might have to teach us today. But today, we are doing a bonus sode. If I give you $100, do you think that you could say, on which for every other, five times in a row? On which for every other, 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 on which for every other. So is that a yes or that no that yes. you would accept it? Oh, well, this time you have to accept <laughs> oh, it beforehand. No. Folks, it's our season one bonus note. Forget that $100. I don't have it. Boo. <laughs> Wait, can I pay you in podcast exposure? Yeah. Everyone, totally. here's my friend Chelsea. She's on a podcast Free called labor. Hugging and Learning, on which every other episode, where our introduction would have been a lot smoother. We're Yeah, we're doing a, uh, we took February off, yep. but we really wanted to look back on our season, and we sent out a call for questions from listeners, and we got a bunch. Yeah, thank you for those questions. Thank you for the emails we got asking if we were dead or never yeah. coming back. That meant a lot. Neither. Yeah. We <laughs> turns are, out yeah, neither. Turns out neither, but thank you for asking. Sorry if we ruined your hugging and learning pool at work. <laughs> um... And also, I needed a reason to sit down and have snacks in official capacity. It's, yep. There's less guilt. It's true. It, this is all snack. This is for science. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, luckily, we have an amazing snack today sent to us. We're not wasting any time. Uh, yeah, we have a snack sent to us by our dear friend and listener, Josh. Josh, friend of the pod, Josh. Josh. And this is an amazing snack. Mm-hmm. We have Wicked Good Cupcakes. Mm-hmm. They are cupcakes that come in a jar, ready to eat. They can be found at wickedgoodcupcakes.com. We have four flavors here. We have um, cookies and cream. We have the Wicked Good. I also have Gimme S'more and Peanut Butter Surprise. Hooray! And it's a good thing that when we were picking these up randomly, I picked up the Gimme S'more because you'd have to kill me to get this back. <laughs> no! Uh, Josh sent a note saying, these came in pairs. Hope you three enjoy and then fight to death over the last one. Or share. Sharing's good too. Josh, Josh, we're going to definitely, somebody's going to die. Yeah, over this. we're going we're gonna to report back on all four of these flavors. So uh, we don't have any more time to talk because we got to eat these things. Bye. Yep, bye. shit oh my gosh josh those are fantastic they were great we did end up sharing but mostly because we all wanted to try each and every one of them and they were all spectacular delicious and it says so that, that they freeze for up to six months you could send someone some oh. for a gift or you could just order them for yourself a bunch of them and just dole them out over the course of six months yeah. from your own freezer or you know in certain apocalyptic settings yeah this could be all you need 
We have been working on our earthquake kit over here, so just yeah. like put those in there, ready to go. So you've got an earthquake kit, and then you've got a cooler with, <laughs> with dry ice in it. Yes, exactly. That you have to refill every couple of days. Yeah, it's going to be hard. No one said it was going to be easy. And the other survivors are like, what's in there? And you're like, I don't know, like a heart or Insulin, something. Insulin, leave it alone. <laughs> yes. Zombie um, cure. Do you need a zombie cure? Then don't touch it. <laughs> then don't touch it. Um, this no, 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 leads no. us into a question. So Josh, who sent us the cupcakes in a jar, also sent us a question yes. about snacks. Josh's question is, what is the king of snacks? What was the best and worst snack of season one? Okay. Luckily, we have opinions on snacks if we have nothing else. <laughs> if we have nothing else. That's what I'm bringing to the apocalypse, by the way. Is <laughs> Cheetos, Memories of things no we thanks. can't get anymore. Flaming um, hot, more like flaming not. <laughs> no, okay. So I, of course, the best snack of season one was the Ensimadas. Sure. Hello. Followed by, for me, by the cookies from Delicious. Mm -hmm. But then I thought perhaps it's not fair to pit something homemade against something mass-produced from the grocery store. So my favorite grocery store snacks were the Trader Joe's pumpkin rolls that we did in the Steeple episode, followed by Rocky Road Trip Oreos. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My least favorites, because of course we have to have... Well, let me me do my my, my top three. And I, I had no trouble categorizing these based on... Not only were they good, but the emotions involved in yes. it. Because, come on, I'm an emotional eater. Aren't we all? Yeah. It's, yeah, I think so. But especially about snacks. So from the top three that I had in the third spot is our goldfish graham crackers one. Oh. Because it was s'mores and somebody else sent it to us. Yeah. So it also had love in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then number two was the Aincimatas. Mm-hmm. Um, because now they I'm were great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, they were amazing and they would have any other time would take the number one spot. And if we have like an overall thing someday, they definitely will. But for now, my number one is Rocky Road Trip Oreos. Here's why. Because you can't find them anywhere. I can't, find them. <laughs> I can't fucking find them anywhere. I, it is like a Dickensian scene when I'm in a grocery store. I like, I like walk up to the Oreo section. And I'm like, just don't get your hopes up. <laughs> And then I'll like look, and there's like five rows of them, and it's like you know, the, obviously the regular ones, and then some special flavored ones, and they're not there. They're never no, there. But we got right after we aired that episode, we got a, a several people sent us social media posts and let us know that they had tried them and also found them delightful. So that actually might be our most audience-approved snack mm-hmm. at the same. The fir- the only one that people really felt like they needed to reach out and be like, look, I tried these things and they're great. I mean, I, I won't shut up about them. <laughs> I will not shut up about them. <laughs> Please join me for my spinoff podcast, The Rocky Road to Rocky Road Trip Oreos. <laughs> Where I go across the country just trying just to trying find, to find them. You're on a rocky road trip. And rocky people road keep trip. going, did you try Amazon? I'm like, shut <laughs> up! Don't ruin my podcast. <laughs> so yeah, what are your bottom three of? Of, of course my least favorite was the fucking circus peanuts because they are an abomination. <laughs> followed by that Golden Girl cereal that tasted like cement mm-hmm. and the spicy sweet heat Skittles. The fuck with those things, right? <laughs> that just tasted like chemical burns in yeah. your mouth. Yeah, what were your least favorites? I didn't consult anybody when I did this. I took out the Halloween ones because those were purposefully intended to injure each other. Yes. (laughs) Or else, of course, queso would be at the bottom. (laughs) Ghost pepper queso. Fighting with with circus peanuts. (laughs) Like uh, Gandalf and Balrog. (laughs) 
falling through the mountain. Yeah, for a million lifetimes. <laughs> Miles, what were your favorite and least favorite snack? I loved the Inca corn that mm-hmm. Noel, our guest, our one and only guest of season one, provided. Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. were delicious. Yep. And I also hated very much the sweet heat Skittles. <laughs> it's weird. I didn't I didn't put those in my bottom three at all. But I definitely, when I was reviewing, I'm like, those were not Those great. were terrible. My bottom three were, the, it was a t- tie. I put a tie. Uh, Golden Girl <laughs> cereal. Yeah. And the Ruffles mozzarella and, mozzarella yeah. and meatball yeah. flavored chips. Both of those should not be. No. Both of those were against God's will. <laughs> yes. Right below that was the Hershey's bites. Oh things yeah, we had to heat up and they just tasted like. Yeah, those get an extra special mention for you had to do work to get yeah. to a bad snack. Yeah. Yeah. At least and the sweet heat skittles were ready to go bad snacks. It's true, and this will take a little explanation, but I think you probably figured it out pretty quick. My very least favorite one was uh, chocolate peanut butter pie Oreos. But mostly because I see those goddamn everywhere, <laughs> taking up valuable Oreo yeah. space where those Rocky Road Trip Oreos could be. Yeah. And they don't taste like anything. It's no. just like Nutter Butters, except not good yeah. Nutter Butters. It's a real injustice that they have caught on and the Rocky Road Trip have not. Have they, though? Because I think people are just settling for them because mm. they never tried the Rocky Road Trip mm-hmm. Oreo. Look, we can make this whole retrospective about Oreos. Really could. Snack retrospective. But we should move along. We should move along. But there's a related question that came in from Lauren. Lauren asks, how does Miles pick the songs for the snack breaks? What a great question. So I worked for years and years as a sound designer in the theater. And one of the shows I worked on ages ago, back in Chicago, the whole idea behind picking the songs came from the show. At least it started from this. There was, it was really actually a terrible show, but there was a section in the play that got a laugh pretty much every night where there's a, a character who's continually on hold uh, throughout the entire play. Ah. And every time we cut to this character, we hear another piece of the on hold music. And I was just picking sort of like the craziest, weirdest cuts I could find <laughs> that would both annoy and delight at the same time. And right. so that's kind of where it started. And then at a certain point... I started picking things that I just genuinely like that aren't like necessarily top 40 hits or very well-known songs. Right. And I think that the song that maybe bridges the gap of things that I think are really great music and things that I think are also really weird and strange and terrible music really hit the nail on the head when I picked the song by a gentleman uh, that goes by the name of Swamp Dog. Nice. And his album, Love, Loss, and Autotune. Oh boy. Mm. Which is exactly what it sounds like. He's a, he's a brilliant uh, blues musician. Mutual friend of ours, Tim Spiker, uh, actually mentioned to him to me one day, and I listened to his stuff, and I thought I thought that that album was just really great. <laughs> and you used that on one of our episodes. I did. Which one did you? Know? I don't. I don't remember. That's fine. I don't pay attention. Maybe we can hear a little bit. <laughs> I don't of listen it right to this now. show. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I also don't care for this show at all. Um, this yeah, this end of the microphone, folks. <laughs> but check him out, Swamp Dog. The album is Love, Loss, and Auto-Tune. Very cool. cool. Very cool. We have another question that came in on social media from Megan. Mm-hmm. Megan asks, or Megan says, you definitely seem to be very good childhood friends, but how did you meet? Whose idea was it to have the podcast? And why very special episodes from the 70s, 80s, and 90s? So this is really a three-parter. It is. It's our origin story. Yeah. I would say let's, uh, let's take part 1A. We were not childhood friends. We were not. We were childhood enemies. <laughs> we were childhood strangers. Yeah, childhood strangers. That's um. We met the kid version of perfect strangers. <laughs> we met in a room around two thousand 
six yeah, or two thousand seven. Two six seven. Yeah. Uh, we both were working at the Illinois Arts Council uh, yes. in Chicago. In the ugliest building in Chicago, yeah. the James Thompson Center. No. It was the Thompson Center. The Thompson Center. I don't know what its front name in is. The ugliest building in the world, the Thompson Center in the, Chicago. The funny thing is, another person, uh, our friend Ashley, who was a co worker of ours at the time, passed that building the other day and texted me a picture of it and it's reminded me. Still, it looks like somebody tried to build a building and they um, they put it in the microwave at one point. <laughs> like, oh no, now this building's mush. The inside is like a beehive. It yeah. really feels like you're in a beehive. Sure. The outside looks like. <laughs> You're in the post-apocalypse when people found uh, panels and glass. There's just a building now. So we met then, and then we've been friends ever since. Mm-hmm. We've had we've done two separate stints as roommates. Right. And then Andrew left Chicago in... 2012. 2012 and moved here, here yeah, to Los Angeles. Angeles. I left Chicago in 2011 with Miles. Miles and I are married. I don't know that that's ever necessarily been stated Oof. on the podcast. Behind the scenes look, people. <laughs> Scandal. <laughs> so Miles and I are married, and we left Chicago in 2011, and we moved to Virginia, and then we moved to New York, and then we ended up in L.A. in 2017. Yeah. No, 2018. Was it 2018? Just 20, it was Just last year. It's not wow. been quite a year yet. Wow. So when we got here, one of the... Fo- one of the uh, now I can never say that word without second-guessing myself. One of the faucets. Fa- I'm going to say it wrong every time I look at your face. One of the facets. There you go. If, I just, but don't you look did, at you. I can say it. when you did that. One of the facets of our friendship has always been that we go see movies or we watch TV shows and then we talk about yeah. the writing. And we talk about yeah. uh, whether it worked for us or not. And, and so generally have a great time whether or not those things are good or bad. Yeah, make each other laugh a lot. Yeah. So I don't, it was maybe, whose idea was it to have a pot, to like start recording this? I don't know. I, I at one point I watched a, a, an episode that had made an impression on me as a child just because I was like, it was the, I think the first special episode that I ever wrote, or watched rather, which was the Bicycle Man episode mm-hmm. of Different Strokes, which we will get to, I promise you. Thank you, everybody who wrote in suggesting that that's going to be like a milestone yeah, in this podcast. Yeah, we're to like work up to that one. And I went around for the next week or year or several years telling people the plot of this episode just in detail. Like I couldn't – there was so much that I could not believe was happening Mm -hmm. in the episode while the laugh track was also going. And just like I would just tell people this thing and I realized uh, because of that, I started looking back and I was like, wow, all of these – I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about all of these special episodes. We both expressed an interest in doing a podcast, and I said I'd always wanted to do something about special episodes. My idea had been like, hey, let's just make fun of these things and talk about how ridiculous they are. But then you uh, introduced the idea of framing them in the hero's journey, which really turned the whole thing around. (laughs) Well, it's all I know how to do. Um, (laughs) I was just like, uh, I can talk about everything that's ridiculous, but I, because I am... It's the person that I am, I need some sort of like framework and sure. some way to compare them to each other. Yeah. Um, and so that was my way in. I was like, yeah, I want to watch all these things, but I need a worksheet to go through as <laughs> I watch them. And a binder, maybe. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. So that was the, that was the genesis. And then I think we do the specific ones that we do. We're branching out with different 
uh, eras and different takes on what a special episode is, and that's going to be happening with the upcoming season as well. Mm -hmm. But I think the 70s, 80s, and 90s, because that was the heyday, and then there's a chance that either Chelsea or I will remember having watched those Mm -hmm. when they came out. Yes. Same thing with our guests. We're going to have a lot more guests in season two. We're already lining them up, and they're bringing up shows that we never thought of because they weren't part of our childhood, but they were part of that person's childhood. They remember it very vividly. I think we'll be branching out even further in terms of shows that we do in season two, just because now we're having more people in the room who've got more different perspectives, and it's going to be great. I think so as well. What a great question. Thank you, Megan. Or Megan. Man. Megan. No, it's Megan. No. I had a friend named Megan, I think. I, I don't know. I, I got they got really upset with me because I never said their name correctly. There's like three different ways to say Megan, 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 and Megan. But if it's your friend, I think they're allowed to be upset with you. This is a person who just wrote us a question on the internet. We have never heard, met her, or said no. her name aloud. You know what, Megan? Mergen. Mergen. Thank you for the question, Mergen. I'm glad we could <laughs> slaughter your name and make fun of you right there but at the end. It's a very simple name, Megan. What a bunch of jerks. Um, but yes, thank you for the question. Uh, next up, we had a question from Instagram. Which episode you reviewed in season one do you think did the best job of nailing the special episode format? Do you know what I love more than very special episodes? What's that? Lists. <laughs> Me too. Yay! I like when they're top threes and bottom threes. Me too. Let's so do that. Let's do the top three, uh, the best ones, the ones that nailed this special episode format. I kind of took this as a bit broader, like, which did I think was the best episode that we watched? I took it to mean, like, if I were actually trying to talk to a kid about this topic, which episode would I show them? All right, we're going to have different lists. Oh, okay. For sure. <laughs> Number three for me is Different Strokes the Reporter. And as far as, like, the special episode format, no, it's not a successful episode at all. No. <laughs> but as far as, like, it, it's the of-its-time special episode, right. it's firing on all guns at once. I mean, it's got once. Nancy Reagan it's in it. It's got goddamn Nancy Reagan. It's got Robbie Jason, a 10-year-old burned-out pimp. <laughs> uh, and it also helped bring back the phrase, in my life, lousy with things. <laughs> Which I think we should all be using more. So that was my number three. What was your number three? I didn't rank them one, two, and three. I just oh. put three that are all sort of on an equal level for me. Well, but the first one. one for me is the family ties give Uncle, Uncle Arthur yeah. a kiss. One about s- sexual abuse, about sexual impropriety between a kid and a family friend. Mm-hmm. That episode, which was our episode eight, Home Run, that episode... It's just perfectly written. Like, yeah. everything about it, every time you think they're about to take the easy way out of a difficult conversation, they don't. Right. And if I were trying to talk to a kid about this thing, this is an episode I would use to back me up. I 100% agree with that. That yeah. is my number one, the best mm-hmm. episode. I don't know if we're ever going, that's ever going to get knocked off the top of the list. No. It's just, it was really good. So we burned out too quickly. Yeah, and we were really, we didn't expect it to be so good. Mm, we watched it and we were like, holy shit, this actually works. It, it did a really good job. It changed um, our lives. It changed did. our podcast lives. It changed our podcast lives forever. Yep. What was your number two? My one right there in the middle was what's happening? Doobie or not doobie? <laughs> Again, as far as like a successful, very special episode, not really, because the doobies didn't care about the issue, Mm-mm. and that's not even an issue anymore. Yeah. Because um, you know everything. There's more music thievery happening now, yeah. but I mean. As far as an episode, we pretty much got to watch a concert <laughs> when we watched it. <laughs> yes. And then the doobies got to like hang out with us and, and act. 
And it also uh, was the origin of the seat kicks. When you're really excited about a thing but yes. can't be bothered to stand up, you just do high kicks high in kicks your seat. High kicks in your seat only works if you're in the front row of something. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just FYI. From, from a tall person's perspective. Says you. <laughs> oh, no. oh, Miles ah. is kicking. Miles is kicking everything. He's so excited. <laughs> oh, no. An enormous tape recorder just fell out of his pants. Oh, no. Now he's taking it to the <laughs> streets. Crash, 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 crash. I was bootlegging this, uh, <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> That is our number one complaint about our fans and things that we don't like. Yeah, it's a shame when people bootleg the thing we put out for free. Uh, <laughs> we don't see any of that money. <laughs> period. End of sentence. We don't see, we don't see any money, period. <laughs> also about the podcast. Um, <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, what, was your, what was your other of the three that you thought My was My other... Um, was the Golden Girls All Bets Off, yeah. which covered gambling addiction really sensitively, covered it as an addiction, like this is not a personal moral failure, this is a thing you can get help with. Yeah. Um, name-checked Gamblers Anonymous a couple of times to let people know where they could go if they needed help. Mm-hmm. And I just liked how it was solved by a couple of things, by Rose demonstrating an emotional intelligence uh, because she's so often the butt of jokes on that show. Um, that made Dorothy live up to her sort of best self. Yeah. Yeah. It's so. a really well done episode as well. I mean, just also gives us the phrase memorize a horse. Yeah. Which I still. And the word lanai. And the word lanai. Now I know how to use it. <laughs> I don't have to be afraid anymore. Nope. <laughs> well, what's, what's your third one there? Jess? My third one is the designing women episode, hard hats and lovers. And now I'm you're making my list. Cat calling. Stupid. Just because, um, <laughs> I, I feel like it was way ahead of its time. Yes. At a time when people were more likely to be like, that's a compliment when mm. talking about if anyone was like, I don't like being harassed on the street. It's well written. It's hilarious. And it deals with it in a kind of a clever way. Yeah. So let's talk about the least successful ones. Yep. Bottom three, y'all. Go ahead. Uh, Life of the Party episode of Family Matters about teen drinking. I, our I, very first one. I disagree. Really? I think it doesn't do anything to help anyone learn anything no, about no. teen drinking. You know, yeah, you're right. I, I re-listened to that. The only thing that it does is be like, hey, drinking is kind of bad. But it doesn't, It none of the characters had agency. You're right. Exactly. Yeah, none of the characters have agency over their drinking. Right. No, None of the characters changed their minds. The kids who wanted to drink at the beginning still want to drink at the end. And the kids who didn't want to drink still don't want to drink at the yeah, end. absolutely. And the only character who gets drunk is is drugged. So it's really an episode about not leaving your drink alone at parties. Also, if you've got a if you've got a randy aunt who talks about catching men around their knees, <laughs> don't put them in charge of a fucking party <laughs> with, with a bunch kids. Of teenagers. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz you know what she's going to go out and do. Just leave them unchaperoned to try to catch a man. Trying to catch a random man around his knees. Yep. I'll say on my bottom 3 is definitely the Brady Bunch episode. Hey. The un- underground movie, the the Thanksgiving one. It's just it's not doing anything. They're trying to talk about families coming together, but the families are being jerks to each other. Yeah, you really had a hard time with that family. I hated family. this one. It's insensitive mm-hmm. with their talk about... They, they have oh, an opportunity. Oh, it's completely culturally insensitive. Yeah, yeah, culturally insensitive. It's also comically insensitive. <laughs> uh, the improvising dialogue. Oh, so bad. You look like King Henry. I ate enough turkey. Those are just like, ripped from the headlines. Also, the fact that everybody started their uh, uh, sentence with G. It's just not, G whiz. It's not good. It's just... Say. Say. That's what it is. Say. Say. <laughs> say. No. 
Uh, so yeah, that was definitely in the bottom three for me. Um, the next one for me was the Fresh Prince episode, Just Say Yo, Yeah, which was about drugs because it was so convoluted. And it was the same thing for me of like, the person who had a question about whether or not they should take drugs doesn't take drugs. Mm-hmm. And then the person who has consequences for the actions didn't mean to take drugs. Yeah. And then at the end, the only thing that saves it is Will Smith almost crying at the end. Yeah, it's a real like it's emotional like, it's punch. Got, it, yeah, it's got a real punch, but that's it's almost in spite of the rest of the episode. Yeah. If I wanted to talk to a kid about drugs and the dangers of drugs, I would not show them an episode where a kid unwittingly takes drugs who's normally a nerd, mm. then becomes the life of the prom. Again. Then ends up in the hospital so his cousin can learn a lesson. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, it's about not. About being honest, though. Not great. Not about great. being honest. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell us about not doing drugs. It's owning up to your doing. Okay. Yeah. I'm changing this on the the fly. I'm going to say another episode that made me feel very special at all was our episode (laughs) on Sabrina the Teenage Witch for numerous (laughs) reasons. For numerous reasons. Number one, it was, I think, our first foray into this isn't, you know, a quote-unquote very special episode because it's trying to teach a moral lesson, but rather it's a very special episode because it has this guest star on it, uh, Miss Britney Spears, Esquire, Mm -hmm. uh, the third. Um, Of course, this was the only episode that I didn't look up the subject ahead of time, (laughs) so I spent the entire episode wondering who was bulimic or who was about to murder somebody else. It was troubling for me. Yeah, I would say just in general... From my experience, uh, it did not work as an episode of a very special episode. Except when Brittany came on, then it was like, that personally. very special. My next one is the date auction episode of Saved by the Bell. Just there were so, so, so many problems that we could get into. The first and maybe the only really one you need to know is that you shouldn't be auctioning off people in the 90s to other people. How about that? That's where the problems start and end. This is also on my list. But it's uh, problematic. Jesse Spano threatens her friends. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nobody learns anything. Also... With Saved by the Bell, the reason like we think about doing them and then don't is because they have too many plots. Yeah, they really too many they, plots. They give equal weight to the A, B, and C storylines. So yeah. they're so dense and yeah. takes us forever to talk about them. And everyone on them is trash is the other thing. Yeah, they're all jerks. So yeah, those are my three. So I had a special mention here. Mm-hmm. I would have put this on my list. Uh, but I couldn't figure out whether it should be in the top three or the bottom three. And that's the He-Man, She-Ra, A Christmas Special. (laughs) (laughs) It would have made the list if I could figure out whether it it did its job. (laughs) At the last 10 minutes, it really shoehorned in somebody learning a thing. No. Someone wrote wrote it. it. it No, no, hold on. We're talking like very technically. (laughs) Like technically. Yeah, no, it's not good. It's not well done at all. Someone wrote in to me that it sounded like we were on cocaine when we recorded that we episode. just had too much we to just do, lost people. lost our minds. It was the sugar, too, I think, that was really yeah. pumping through the veins. It was the holidays. Veins. Yeah. Uh, Miles, did you have faves and least faves? Yeah, you know, I, my favorite, I think, was also All Bets Off, the Golden Girls episode. And I think what I appreciated about that was that it also just stood up on its own as just a standard episode of that sitcom. True. Mm-hmm. But also was elevated because of the special content of it. I think that it didn't depart very much from what it normally does as a sitcom and was able to also give us this really amazing lesson about gambling addiction. Mm -hmm. And then I think the show, the episode that I least liked 
was the dinosaurs episode. Mm. And I think that that's just because both as an adult Miles and a child Miles, I literally hate that show. (laughs) It's a terrible show. Even as a kid, I hated the show. The kid I used to go to elementary school with, Billy, who grew up across the street from me, loved that show. And that was the end of him for me. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny to me because uh, you love Jim Henson so much. That's fair. I mean, that's fine. I mean, you yeah. can hate whatever you hate. Yeah, you know, I'm just the surprised to learn this. We'll bring tears to my eyes when I look at him, and, and the dinosaurs will bring rage. Rage, rage <laughs> to my eyes. Rage to my eyes. <laughs> okay, we have another question from the internet. What percentage of what y'all record makes it to the final product, and how much gets edited out? I feel like this is an, another Miles question. Yeah. Well, let's see. We usually record about, I don't know, 60 to 70 minutes of material, mm-hmm. and then we try and keep our episodes around 45 minutes to 50 minutes in length. Yeah. So that, there's your, your rough estimate. A lot of what gets cut it out, cut, cut it out. It's are, technical. That's get cut it sound out. producer, sound producer term. <laughs> sound producer term. <laughs> or words like that, little non sequiturs. Sometimes we have to do a little bit more research, and th- though that kind of gets recorded, we, we cut the, the research moment out and cut to the chase. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I think the biggest thing are little little editorial things like yeah. this. Oh, um, uh, um, um, uh, um, 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 uh, um, uh, the, um, uh, uh, and and Okay, we get it. We get it. Actually, Miles, I had something. I had a bit of inspiration. No, keep playing. We will be making that a ringtone when we get our Patreon up and ready. That's all from one episode. You know what I got? That is all from one episode. I actually have an idea. Play it again real quick. Okay. Yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I got it. Oh, um, uh, um, uh, do, 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 you would think from that that Andy never made mistakes. Never. Yeah. Go ahead and play my mistakes, Miles. <laughs> play the play the sound file of my mistakes. Here's the real. Ready? Um. Uh. Um. Um. Uh. Uh. Um. Um. Uh. Cut it in. And fuck you both. Okay. Um, we also lose some some gems that just don't make sense in the moment. And yeah, things that make us laugh really hard in the moment, yeah. and then we listen back on it, and we're like, "That's no one's going to get that." Right. But we're us getting off on tangents and right. things like that. Um, hey, Chelsea. Yeah. I accept you. Cool. Speaking of faults. Speaking of faults. It is a it's become something of a feature of the podcast that once an episode something confuses Andrew. Yeah. So, what things that we encountered in episodes in season one confused you the most? Well, I, I have a very, very like I, the height of what confused me was in our first episode. Yeah, yeah, it was mm-hmm. our very first. Very first. Our very first episode, yeah. Life of the Party, mm-hmm. where I got confused about what I like to call the brain butt conundrum. <laughs> uh huh. This is a 100% tangent, and I apologize ahead of time, everybody in the world. Steve Urkel says something that has confused me for my entire life. Go on. <laughs> it's, it's an insult that I do not get, but I'm going to, I'm I, hopefully someone in this room, your dog included, will be able to answer this for me. Steven says, Steven, my good friend Steven, uh, Urkel says, 
why don't you look exhausted? Why don't you go sit down, but not too hard? You wouldn't want to hurt your brain. He's a butthead. Is that what we're doing? Yeah, his brain's in his butt or something. See, but you don't sound 100% sure. That's what it's got to be. His brain's in his butt. <laughs> I feel... <laughs> yeah, his brain's in his butt. You know, I feel like... But that's no like, other way to explain well, that. I get it, but that's such a weird abstraction from like what seems to be an established thing. Sure, Chelsea, it may be that his brain is in his butt, but it feels like there needs to be that needs to be a common thing before you can be like, well, here's a nuanced approach the to the laughed. old brain. But well, fucking Chelsea, <laughs> the Family Matters audience would laugh at a glint off of a piece of poop. Yeah, I stand by all of that, actually. <laughs> all, right, all, right, all, right, all right, all right, so yes, uh, uh, here's the thing. Here's the problem is I'm still not 100% convinced. <laughs> Re-listening to that, you're not, you're not explaining anything. You're just telling me why it's most likely that. Butthead. <laughs> I don't know how to make Do you think when they were like, hey, Einstein, what's the theory of relativity? He was like, relativity. Yeah. Do you think he so? was Einstein, so... He was. I still feel like we haven't cracked the case. And here's the biggest problem with this. I'm, I'm not saying, like, it's definitely not that or it definitely is that. Uh-huh. I'm just saying I don't know. And I can't... I can't prove it one way or the other <laughs> because you can't research it. Nope. Because what are you putting into Google? <laughs> don't anything. None put, of that. Put, put don't brain, put any of it. Brain to this butt nope. brings up uh, stuff about your gut microbes acting as a second brain. In your butt. Uh, don't sit down too hard brings up lists of like 15 things you need to know about sitting down. And one mention of Mr. Belvedere. <laughs> <laughs> so, so 15 dignified things about sitting down. And one not so dignified thing. So again, I think the debate goes on. I would love it if we had a more more listener input on this. But if you're people, a proctologist, right in. Or if you're Mr. Belvedere. <laughs> yeah, I, it's just, I still, I still, I never got on the, the brain butt train, so I can't. You know what's funny is that we have talked and thought about this probably a thousand times longer than the people who wrote this episode yeah. ever thought about this line. Yeah, 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 I'm sure. It's what we do. So yeah, that's definitely still right up there with uh, what confused me the most. Chelsea. Yeah. I would like to know which episode caused you to do the most amount of research. That's a good question. And we actually had a related listener question come in from Claudia who asks, how long does it take for you to do the research for the episodes before recording the podcast? I usually end up doing probably about, I probably do like now in the beginning, it was longer. I've streamlined it. I probably do like an hour and a half of research and then I watch the episode once or twice. It takes me a long time to watch the episodes because I stop them every couple sure. of minutes to make a note. I think I average about four hours of prep for every episode we record. Yeah. That said, there are some episodes where I either don't know very much about the subject matter going in, or I feel like it's something that really needs to be handled with care, mm-hmm. or I just end up in a wormhole because I get fascinated. And those episodes, I do more research. That's fair. And so the three that I did the most research on, I think, which I didn't record how much at the time, but looking back on the season, 
I think I did a lot of research for the steroids episode of Dinosaurs right. because I didn't know anything about teen steroid use. Sure. And that also then tied into body dysmorphia and eating disorders and other... It it tied into a lot of things. Yeah. I did a lot of research on the Black Rhino episode of MacGyver <laughs> yes. because that was, again, Black Rhino, something I didn't know anything about. And I wanted to know what had happened to the Black Rhino population right. since the late 80s when that... Yeah. Aired. MacGyver tells us they're almost done for. Yeah. They'll be done for by 2000. Exactly. And I'm like, well, what happened? Good news. If you didn't listen to that, go back and listen to that. The population is uh, on the rise. They're doing good. And thanks, MacGyver. The war on drugs episode. Yeah. Of of different strokes. Just the war on drugs is an internet wormhole. I feel like it's a thing that people were just getting to hear kind of the other side of that story. Yeah. It's just being given a signal boost. And so there's so much writing about, especially with documentaries like 13th coming yes. out and things of people being like, hey, you remember when everybody was made to panic about something that yeah. seemed very scary at the time? If you were a white middle-class American, this is what the other side of that looked like. Yeah. Here are the re- lasting repercussions of that. And it is such a vast, vast topic. That's the only one that I feel like we could have talked for another hour just about i I think so um yeah yeah. so i i did a lot of war on drugs uh research sure i I also that that caused me to do a lot of research i I have a much different approach to to the episodes i i watch them uh and take notes on them and then if something strikes my interest i pause the episode and go look it up jazz research jazz research i definitely looked up a lot about the war on drugs and speaking of jazz research i think my most research i did was on the term yabos. Oh my god. From uh, We are so different. <laughs> from which which episode is that? The Mike's Madonna story episode yeah, what, what, of Growing Pains. Growing Pains, yes. That really sent me on a, a spiral, downward yeah. spiral. Like a jazz musician on heroin. Yep. Bing bop! Yabos! <laughs> to come come back to your particular personality quirks. Yeah, that's a nice way of saying that. You uh tend to find in most episodes a person that you would armchair diagnose as being on the sociopathy spectrum. 100%. Of all of the people that you have diagnosed that way, which person from season one do you think is the most likely to murder their entire family? Sure. Well, if you haven't listened to all of our episodes, and just to put you at ease, dear listener, it's mostly, a lot of these episodes are written in a very broad comedic way that makes everybody seem like they're a little off and then sometimes people are are too much their character and it just seems crazy insane yeah Yeah. and i'm ready to call people crazy so i think the one that that sticks with me to this day though is the mom from small wonder yeah and my theory that she's secretly trying to murder her family using the by using the robot i mean we laughed about it sure (laughs) But I feel like if Small Wonder had gone on for a few more seasons, family's done, her personal enemies are done, and then like season six, it turns into this show where it's just her, her and, the, and robot the robot on the road. Thelma and Louise style. Very much so. Yeah. Like enacting street vigilante mm-hmm, justice mm-hmm. wherever they go, and then not understanding common phrases and bad special effects. Great. That sounds Alf, exciting. Alpha the robot. Let's reboot it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, reboot and everything else. So we had another question come in. This one came in from Noel, my brother, our one guest of season one. Sent us a question. And Noel asked, certain special episodes deal with issues that more heavily affect either young women or young men. 
i.e. steroids versus first menstruation. Have you observed a correlation between the authenticity of these episodes and the genders of their writers? So I had to go back through all of my notes and see how many women writers we've we had. That's a, a great uh, factoid that I'd like to know. So we had we recorded twenty seven episodes mm-hmm. in the first season. Of those twenty seven episodes, only eight had a female writer credited. Sure. Which is actually a larger number than I expected. You know, for the time period that we're talking about, and I think we mentioned it on each episode, we're like, my goodness. Yeah. And I'm counting every every writer, even if they weren't the head writer sure. or the creator of the show. Yeah. Things like the first menstruation episode, there was a female writer on that. She was not the head writer. Right. And the steroids issue, even the episodes that deal with things that are female- you would you would think oh this is more related to audience members who identify as female like the Dorothy Jane Torkelson wants to be a nice princess episode of Torkelson's no woman was in the room when they wrote that yeah. I mean most of the time no women was in the room when they wrote anything in the seventies eighties or nineties yeah I mean we can't definitively say there was absolutely no women writer on a show um, and Credi- I'm uh, talking about credits on IMDb credits which is all I sure. can go on yeah, this yeah. is all I can go on credited writers I will say. The, the eight episodes that had women writers on them mm-hmm. were cult fiction, yep. Boy Meets World, Doobie or Not Doobie, right. All Bets Off, which was uh, Golden Girls created by a woman. She was the person who wrote that episode. Same with Hard Hats and Lovers, yep. created by Linda Bloodworth Thomason, who wrote that episode of Designing Women. The Reporter, the Nancy Reagan episode, had several women writers. There was a ton of people that worked yeah. on that episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike's Madonna Story episode of Growing Pains, So-Called Angels. Obviously, Winnie Holtzman, the creator of My So-Called Life, was the co-writer on that. Right. And then Blossom Blossoms had a female writer, but not head writer. So this is totally unrelated. I didn't do this on purpose, but two of those... Hard Hats and Lovers and All Bets Off were two of my three best episodes of last season in terms of how well they worked. Yeah. Especially Hard Hats and Lovers, Cat Calling is specifically a like a female identified problem. Right. And to have a woman writing that episode, I think, made a lot of difference. I would have liked to see a female writer on the Give Your Uncle Arthur a Kiss episode. For sure. You know, um, but times they are changing. Yeah. And I think now people are I think it's unfortunate that the conversation has taken this long, but I think now there is a real conversation in writers' rooms and when you're staffing shows about, like, we're going to have a character that's going to go on this arc. Right. Let's find a writer who identifies. Yeah, and, and, and moreover, we have there are more complicated characters, so if you want perspectives, you're going to need a more diverse staff to get yeah. the perspectives that even a single character might right. embody. There is no longer this feeling of like, well, I'm a writer, so I can speak to every human experience sure. across the entire spectrum of human experience. That's good. But in terms of a correlation between the episodes and genders of the writers, I don't, there has not been one. No, I don't think so either. It was, it was a delightful surprise to see so many credited women uh, in our exploration. Mm-hmm. Kind of hope that continues into yeah. next season. We'll see. Yep. But that's something I'm, I'm definitely going to pay more attention to as we move forward. Yeah, and I think that if... As we move forward in time, we'll notice more of a diversity of staff. Yeah. Our next question comes from Lane, who asks, do you ever, do you think you'll ever break down a modern day, very special episode? There's a good question on a couple of uh, counts there. Number one, will we? And number two, (laughs) are there modern special episodes? The, The thinking on this is the reason we're doing 
special episodes up until the 90s, with a few exceptions in the zeros, is because they sort of died off somewhere in the 90s. There was a wave of irony and and meta Mm self-identification that made it just seem so corny and out of place, coupled with the fact that TV itself was becoming a more you know, stories were becoming more serious and grounded. It didn't need to be a laugh fest. And then they would interject special, right. you know, like you might have a character that's an alcoholic and they struggled with that for the entire series, as opposed exactly. to just like the alcoholic uncle that shows up for one episode and then is never seen again. Right. Characters are, are less pat and more flawed. And those flaws can be discussed in every setting instead of making a setting around an issue that really throws everything out of place. Right. Miles had an interesting theory about this as well. Yeah, I feel like that a lot of modern television, some series, some shows in general are very special episode shows. Mm -hmm. I think uh, maybe we can list a few. Atypical, which is a Netflix show about a person who has autism. Uh, Someone told me, I haven't watched Degrassi, but someone told me that Degrassi, the idea behind it was every episode is a very special episode. And they did a quote, very special episode, which was the one episode of the show where like nothing dramatic happened. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so my my theory is that the the golden age of television is kind of given voice to specific things to talk about in a a large series format. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, whether you have shows that are, are... Topic based, like I think I haven't, I haven't watched it because it's not for me. Uh, Thirteen reasons why I think you know that whole thing is is grounded in the premise that somebody's committed suicide. So of course they're exploring that yeah, issue. Yeah, that's a very touchy one though because a lot of people that work in suicide prevention say it does the opposite of what they do, which is to sure. glamorize suicide yeah, and be I'm like, not, look at how people talk about you after you kill yourself. I don't, I don't know whether or not it's a successful show. I'm just saying that, you know, the premises themselves can be right. special. Right. Like, and also, uh, there was a thing of like, when this airs on Thursday night at eight, sit down with your kids, everybody yeah. watch it. It was a very, a very special episode. It was also this marketing term meant to be like, don't miss this. Everyone gather right. in front of your TV. Now we can watch whatever show we want whenever we want. And so that sort of urgency of yeah. like, everyone needs to be in front of the TV at eight o'clock. Like we mm-hmm. don't have that anymore because even if you miss it when it airs live, you watch it on Hulu the next day or whatever. Yeah. And you rarely... I don't know. In the in the age of of streaming media, you'd rarely have like a consistent flow of commercials where you can be like, "We need a push for this specific show that's coming up." It just rarely happens. Yeah, anymore. I mean, maybe the equivalent would be like the live musicals that Fox does. You sure. know, like Grease Live and Jesus Christ Superstar Live and right. those kinds of things, where it feels like those are the only things recently I can think of that were not like sporting it's events the, where people... The, yeah, that's the new appointment television is just live. And I read an article recently that there was an episode of Blackish that dealt with police brutality mm-hmm. uh, yeah. in a very special episode mm-hmm. kind of format, which could be an interesting thing for maybe, maybe yeah. for us to look at. Point being, they're not gone for sure they just became much less popular and sort of reformatted but i think yeah i think we could look at some modern ones in the upcoming season Uh, especially if there's something that is like that that's a ripped from the headlines kind of a thing which is one of the things i think tv does best even more than theater or movies or other forms of media is respond to things that are happening in society quickly as opposed to taking years to get made it's true Two shows that immediately come to mind as far when you say the words ripped from the headlines, the two shows that I think of are Law and Order, Yep. which very often will do like 
a show based on headlines that have yeah, happened. Any and crime procedural. That. Yeah. And you know, it's it's spiritual twin uh, South Park, which does <laughs> South Park does for all intents and purposes special episodes because they are doing their shows, you know, in the week before they air. So right. those are two examples of maybe modern takes on very special episodes that we might be able to look into. Sure. All right. To to bring it back to a lighter note, we had yeah. another listener write in to bring back to a lighter place. Fuck Mary Kell, Stefan Urkel, Stevel, and Steve Urkel. The age-old question, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... I mean, we're going to kill Stevel. Yeah. Like, obviously, we're all no, going to kill... What? I don't think so. I'm sorry. But... Then, okay, well, you're obviously going to kill Stevel. Yeah. What's next? Okay, then it gets trickier. Yeah, it does get trickier. Because this is the thing about Fuck, Mary Kill that, like, always... This is the nuance of this game that no one thinks about. Go on. You have to fuck one person and marry another person. Are you actually going to be married to that person and never fuck them? You have to fuck two people in yeah, this game. That's that's essentially it. But, you know, like marriage is it's not going to be the same. This like, is you got to look long-term fucking. So if I have to fuck both, this means I have to fuck both Stefan Urkel and Steve Urkel. You do. It's just you got to pick. Who do I want to only fuck once and then never see again? That's going to be Steve Urkel. Yeah. So fuck Steve Urkel and then never see him again. Marry Stefan Urkel because he's like an actual human being. Sure. He's like very suave. But here's the question. You you fuck Steve Urkel one time. Steve Urkel's obsessed with Laura Winslow. Yep. They have never done it. <laughs> but they get married. They do get married eventually. In and space? we assume yeah. <laughs> and we assume they some at some type of the distant future do have sex. But <laughs> the point being, Steve Urkel has been obsessed with Laura Winslow on, on a on a non fucking basis yep. for whatever, seven seasons. I see what you're where you're going. I'm gonna assume that even though Steve Urkel and I fuck once that his obsession continues with yeah. Laura Winslow and no. I never see him again. No, 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 no he, that no, no, does no. not transfer. Uh-uh. I don't <laughs> think so. I think that Steve Urkel's just looking for a target to no. be like, I'm a cat with you now. No. Okay, so what are your answers? Well, see, that's, that's, where, that's where my mind goes. So you don't want Steve Urkel in the picture at all. So I say you kill Steve Urkel. Because then, you know, look, it's a different era now. That sort of <laughs> obsession isn't doing anybody any good. He's the kind of guy who's just following people around and being like, hi, when you like to talk. And they're like, no. And he's like, are you here? And he's probably going to make like a YouTube video series. He's like where an he's incel. Like, yeah. He's yeah. A 100% an incel. Yeah. You know, just, uh, here's a, a controversial opinion. We don't need those people. <laughs> um, so I think you kill, I think you kill uh, Steve Urkel. I think you definitely marry Stefan Arkell because it's the man of your dreams. Yeah. I think you just, yeah, you fuck Stiebel. I just don't even know how that works. I don't either, man, but it's one and done. <laughs> oh, wow. So I'm, I, I, I also kill Steve Urkel. Sure. But then I fuck Stefan Stefan Arkell. You marry you Stiebel? Marry Stiebel? And I have a sexless mes- marriage with Stiebel. Yeah. Stevel's so weird. Yeah, though. but then at the end he goes on the cabaret and, oh, uh, see. and he's singing and dancing. So he's gone Not- most of the year. <laughs> No, or I travel tour. with him and we get to see, you know, the So you think you eventually get along with Steve? And... Is the thing? Yeah, you think I think that I do. demon-obsessed, uh, demon-possessed <laughs> ventriloquist dummy... Have you met me? Mm. <laughs> I'm true. just sitting across from your wife right now, so yeah. it makes me feel weird. I'm nothing if not Steve-esque, I guess. Yeah. Just coming out of toilets, laughing. Being evil. Yeah. That's okay, me. well, we got, a, we got a threefer here. Yeah, wow. I, wow. I really didn't think we'd all disagree I didn't know that was going to be so polarizing. So yeah. I didn't think anybody would marry steve but... Um, right. No, we know a lot more about each other. Watch your back, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> 
Great. So here's another question that we got. How much do y'all talk about episodes before the tape starts rolling? And do you decide who's going to cover what? Or is it mostly organic? We don't talk very much Not at all. If, if at all. Uh, we really try to keep this as spontaneous as possible. Yeah. And one of the things that I think makes the show work is that we usually tend to pick out very different things in episodes. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it's not certainly anybody can do whatever they want on here, but it tends to fall to Chelsea to do more of the essential research, the the hard part of this. Chelsea does the <laughs> Chelsea does the tough work. Chelsea can't describe her research as jazz no matter how she tries. Um, unless it's about jazz. Light jazz research? <laughs> Huh? No. No, unless it's like... Oh, unless it's about about jazz. jazz. I get you. I get you. So Chelsea does most of the special episodes, special content research. I know a lot about television format and just the history of these shows. So that's where I tend to like excel a bit. Mm -hmm. But no, I think we we also switch back and forth based on our personal experiences with the show or the issue or just things we happen to know or anecdotes or whatnot. Yeah. And Miles says a lot of creative, uh, makes a lot of judgment calls in the editing about what to keep and what to edit out so we sound like we're just constantly bringing up brand new points and not repeating the same talking points over and over and over again that's very true which i'd love to commend him for but he wants yeah. to marry Stevel, so <laughs> i don't feel like I commend that at all we had another question come in which i think is great which is who would you have as a dream guest on that's the podcast and i think i know your answer so yep I'm going to quickly give my answer because I feel like yours is going to be very effusive. <laughs> I would love to have, of course, Linda Bloodworth Thomason, who created yeah. Designing Women. I would love to have Winnie Holtzman, who created My So-Called Life. And then I would just love to have like Tina Fair, Mindy Kaling, just awesome, badass ladies who created their own shows more recently than those. Those would be like my dreams. What about you? Well, I mean, obviously, uh, less obviously, rather. I would love to have somebody involved in the episode, whether they were oh, uh, a mm-hmm. series regular on there or something like that. Uh, but clearly, my my dream guest would be Rich Carell. Hashtag be my friend, Rich Carell. Hashtag be our guest. Be Rich our Carell. guest, Rich Carell. <laughs> be our guest. I love it. Yeah, Rich Carell. <laughs> we don't have clearances. Miles for that wants to music. marry someone from hell. <laughs> da, 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 da. I'm not gonna let it go. Never let it go. Never let it go. Uh, <laughs> Rich Carell, television director, uh, originally star uh, in the series Leave It to Beaver, directed Ski Patrol, and then, <laughs> which again, this and is a very, million episodes a of TV, million shows. episodes of TV, very dear to my heart. He's directed what four episodes that we've covered? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of 20, absolutely, twenty-eight. Yeah, twenty-seven. Twenty-three. This is 28. This 28. Bonus episode. He did not direct this episode. <laughs> no one did, clearly. And so I looked up Rich Carell to see if his schedule is particularly busy right now. <laughs> yeah, tell me. It looks like he's in post-production for a movie right this very <gasps> second. Coming out this year yeah. is the the movie The Mustard Seed, which he directed and co-wrote. Here's, I get the summary for us, which leaves a lot of room for like... Interpretation? This could go off the rails. <laughs> I hope. I have hope. 12-year-old Sarah Hopkins is the most devoted member of her family. On a trip to visit her grandfather, Sarah is convinced that she sees Jesus near the bank of a river at her granddad's favorite fishing spot. Coupled with this vision, she finds herself able to bring a dead bird back to life. Of course, no one in her family believes her. But as the days pass, Sarah is able to cure a number of people who have faith in her sighting. 
Soon, her family, the locals, even the press are clamoring to know about this little girl who can perform miracles. Telsey has uh, reached over to her shelf almost immediately and picked up a... This is a ripoff of a 1980 movie (laughs) called Resurrection, starring Ellen Burstyn. I draw your attention to Ellen Burstyn bringing a bird back to life on the DVD cover. All right, well, I'm going to throw out two options here, either direct ripoff or Christian movies might not be very original. Okay. We had a question come in from Meredith on Instagram who asked us a two-parter question. Mm. Battle Royale between Screech and Steve Urkel, who wins? Same question. Stephanie from Full House versus Punky Brewster, who wins? We only asked for one question. Thank you anyway, Mayor. (laughs) Um, That is a good question. I feel like uh, with a little bit of research, we could probably find at least one of those has been a reality show at one point. Yeah, or a pay-per-view. Like celebrity boxing. Um, I gotta give it, just based on a combination of the show and the real life history. I got to give the advantage to Screech who mm. has actually stabbed didn't he a man. Stab someone? I was yeah. going to say, didn't he stab a man? Yeah. yeah. Jaleel White. You remember the thing that he did? No, he didn't do because he's he fine. Didn't do yeah, but that guy's ripped. He is. Ripped. He is ripped, I mean, especially in later seasons. I mean, Screech may fight dirty, but man, I, I think that, you know, after the, the pen is lodged in his, in Steve Urkel's thigh, I think Steve Urkel's got the win there. Yeah. I think that, if Steve knows this fight is coming up, he's going to come up with some sort of scientific sure. nutty professor style <laughs> growth serum. He's going to flubber it up. Yeah. Especially in later seasons as he just like, Oh, he times travels all... back and kills. Uh, exactly. Kills he's got, he bends the, the laws of time and space. Yeah. So I'm giving this to Steve Urkel all as well. Right, I say if it's a street fight on short notice, <laughs> <laughs> if it's a screech, if, if there's a foreign objects allowed in the ring, screech. <laughs> but yeah, if time travels not, <laughs> if mad science is an option. Sure. What about Stephanie from Full House versus Punky Brewster? This one's tough, but I mean, just instinctively. I Punky's g- from the streets. Gotta give it to Punky, Punky right? was found in a Winn-Dixie parking lot. God damn, her goddamn name scrappy. is Punky. They have the same dog, basically. Yeah. Brandon so and that's Comet. Not no, that's those, not, those neutralize like each other. Yeah. <laughs> those They're neutralize. not going to be able to call on their dogs to do anything, but you know, make the audience say, "Oh, yeah, no, you got to give it to Punky." Also, she lives in fucking Chicago, and and that yeah. toughened us up. Yeah, true, true. We could take. We're I'm very gonna, tough. Look, here's the thing. Chelsea and I, we could take any of these people. (laughs) (laughs) Any other podcast host. Yeah. You hear that, podcast host? Joe Rogan, I'm calling you out. (laughs) Oh, not Joe Rogan? Not Joe Rogan? Don't call out anyone with an actual podcast. Great. Good question. That was a good question. uh, Thank you. We got really carried away. Uh, We have a question from Courtney. Mm-hmm. who says, when you record, do you ever wonder if the writers or creators of whichever episode you're discussing are listening? If so, does it make you filter yourself? Uh, I always assume they are not. And I do worry a little bit because we're both writers and both live in L.A. And, yep. and this is the industry that we're in, that someday I'm going to be up for a job and someone's going to have written something that I've talked shit about on this podcast. Sure, But most of the time we're talking about people who are either retired or dead sure. because the shows aired in the 70s and 80s. So we might run into their kids who are in the industry who are like, what did you say about my dad? But then I feel like I've also said like a lot of glowing things about people I would love to work for. Right. So no, I don't, I don't filter myself either way. I, um, it's definitely occurred to me, especially when I'm talking about my good friend, Rich Carell. And I'm mm. like, do I want to make fun of this episode? Won't that hurt Rich Carell's nice friendship? Yeah, yeah. I'm a little Steve Urkel about Rich Carell. Who knew? <laughs> 
I think about it, but immediately once I start watching an episode and taking notes, it's not. I don't think about it at all. Yeah. Because it's just too much. Also, anybody who's writing on these shows, as far as the industry is concerned, if they're not going to hire me because I made fun of their 80s episode, then that's fine. Right. I'll take that one. <laughs> that's I'll fine. take that loss. <laughs> and I would just like to throw in there that I'm really shocked and surprised that we have listeners. We do. What's we that? Have some people listeners. listen to this. That's people, great. There are like statistics. That's really cool. Like three. Like some people we don't know. There are people in Ireland and <laughs> Japan. Yeah. How many How many English listeners do we have now? Like 12? I went, I went to <laughs> Delaware to do a show recently. Yeah. And someone that worked in the marketing department was like, I listen to your podcast. And oh, I was shit. like, say what now? That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. I know. Um, yeah. So thanks, listeners. I don't, that we I don't, don't know. know. And we're then that we do. <laughs> I don't know um, where we're landing. Are we being... Boastful or self-effacing or both? Uh, grateful, I think we're being yeah, grateful. Yeah, grateful. So let's wrap this up in the way we always do. Yeah, absolutely. First of all, thank you so much for everybody who wrote in a question. Yes. Thank you for listening. Thank you for participating. We love you all. We're coming back. And we're coming back soon. Snacks. Yeah, keep please keep sending snacks. That's really the only reason we're doing this. We yeah. appreciate your questions. Can't eat questions. <laughs> can't eat questions. Can't pay the rent with questions or snacks, but at least you're less sad when you can't pay the rent if you have right. snacks. It's true. Next time, let's ask them to bake a question. <laughs> <laughs> so, which episode from season one, on which episode did you learn the most? What did I learn the most? Well, I broke this down into two categories. Sorry, oh. I didn't consult anybody on this one. <laughs> uh, I broke it into two categories. What I learned from the episode and what uh-huh. I learned in spite of the episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> from what I learned from the episode, I gotta say Family Ties. Uh, just the best one. Did I learn something new? I mean, just as far as the the wisdom that the show imparted, I think is solid. It looks at the mm-hmm. issue from various angles. While there were other shows that I definitely did more research on, like my Yabo's jazz research. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, but I just have to say, like learning from what the episode intended, family ties. What I learned. The most in spite of was, of course, the Different Strokes anti-drug episode yes. where I learned the, about the war on drugs, uh, how I feel about Nancy Reagan, and what it's like when you hear a 10-year-old speaking the words of a burned-out pimp. I also have that on my list. I learned the most from the Nancy Reagan episode of Different Strokes because the war on drugs is such a vast topic. Yeah. But that was not from the episode. That was my own research about the episode to do. The episode ended up being just massive, and I learned a ton. Yeah. The thing I learned the most just in episode without even thinking about my other research was the Black Rhino episode of MacGyver. Oh, there sure. were a lot of facts in that. Yep. It was an hour long. But there was just a lot, a lot going Bullets. on. Animatronics. Yeah. So I, lear- I learned the most in episode from that episode. That makes a lot of sense. Chelsea, who did you want to hug the most? This is a three-way tie for me. Oh, good. I had a two-way tie, and I felt bad about it. Uh, Punky Brewster. Fair. After the Challenger mission explodes mm. in the Accidents Happens episode of Punky Brewster. Right. Justine Bateman in uh, Family Ties in the Give Your Uncle Arthur a Kiss, because I want to just be like, dude, this is never going away. You have crossed a threshold now, yeah. and it sucks, but here we are together. And then Dorothy Jane Torkelson <laughs> from the Torkelsons, just because she is like a tiny Chelsea. Yeah. And looking back on it, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. I remember being there. Nothing especially bad happens to her in that episode, not on the level of Punky or Justine Bateman, but I just want to hug her and be like, you're going to be great. You're probably going to move somewhere cool. Yeah. Marry a cool dude. Start a podcast with your friend. Get a dog. Get a great dog. <laughs> You're going to be awesome, Dorothy Jane. There you go. Now, I, I do have a tie. 
So a special, special shout-out goes to Topanga, who I still think needs to get out of that relationship. <laughs> Come on, Spoiler Topanga. Spoiler alert, she doesn't. Yeah, well, you're a solid gold girl, and you deserve better. <laughs> uh, first thing, uh, the first person I wanted to hug is Waldo from Family Matters. Oh, God, yeah, he almost made my list, too. Because we said his name wrong. <laughs> <laughs> When we did the episode, we kept calling him Walter. Sorry about that, Waldo. Was it really Waldo? It's Waldo. Oh, I'm sorry. I know. It's, uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm um, sure. I hope that stems the flow of hate mail that we'll receive. <laughs> also, he's just, he's a hes a nice enough dude. He's kind of dumb, but he's funny. And he's just in a bad place. With he the really is. Tape. He's hooked up with the wrong crowd. He really has. You matter. You matter, Waldo. You matter. Get away from Willie Fuffman. Get away. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, I guess, in a second, third, fourth, and fifth place tie, all the girls from the Golden Girls. <laughs> because it's not so much that I wanted to hug them. I wanted to be hugged by them. Yeah. Because I feel like then you're hugging every possible grandma ever. Yeah. And then you'll never need another old lady hug. No, they're going to they're gonna be the end-all be-all of grandma hugs for they sure. You'll feel cozy. Forever. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being a friend. Thank Miles, you for being a friend. Who did you uh, want to hug and when did you learn the most? I think I learned the most and I appreciated the lessons I learned the most from Blossom Blossoms. Mm-hmm. I w- found a, I was shocked that sanitary products are taxed. For sure. Yeah. And I just also appreciated sort of the demystifying of, of women talking about their periods and the way that that's just a, just a normal matter of day fact thing that happens all the time mm-hmm. uh yeah. so it was it was useful for me to hear that stuff and i think i took a, away a lot from that and i have a two-way tie to hug my childhood heroes he-man <laughs> and macgyver <gasps> there you go Aww. that's good that's good one of those hugs would be way more intense than the other <laughs> you're right you could write macgyver's got some good <laughs> grip <laughs> <laughs> you write fan fiction about both of them <laughs> thank you so much for listening to this season one bonus episode. we Absolutely. will be back very soon with the beginning of season two we're gonna have guests we're gonna have new shows we've never covered before we're obviously gonna have amazing snacks right we are gonna do shows that push the boundaries of what a very special <laughs> episode is and we think really good ways but we're really excited about about that and we hope that you'll be there to listen to us we'll see you soon bye bring snacks thank you for listening to hugging and learning if you want to visit us online our website is huggingandlearning.com where you can find links to all the articles we talked about today as well as our post office box where you can mail us snacks subscribe to our podcast rate and review and tell your friends about us if you want to drop us a line you can email us at huggingandlearningpodcast at gmail.com you can tell us about the experiences you've had with things we talked about or you can send us suggestions on which episodes we should do next our podcast is produced by Miles Pulaski who also wrote our theme music. I'm Andrew. And I'm Chelsea. See you next time. Bring snacks!